Sonic Hello and welcome to Sonic Talk number 103. This is the, well, what is it? I guess it's the second one of our live attempts. Um, last week's being, um, it was great, and all the people in the chat room, I'm sure, will testify to that. Unfortunately, we are the only witnesses because I'm afraid I screwed it up. And the one that you actually did hear, if you downloaded last week's, was a kind of hastily re-recorded one, which was done very kindly. Everybody did agree to re-participate, but uh, PJ and... Rich just couldn't make the timing work. So thanks to everybody for your help uh, to cover me um, in my moment of need. Uh, you'll be happy to see that I will know that I've got one or two, three red recording lights going down here. So everything is much more covered. So folks, um, just like to welcome everybody in the chat room. So hello, everybody. And now I can go on to my actual other guests who have also joined me this week. We've got a fulsome panel. I'll start off with non-Eric from sunny Berlin, who's uh, very kindly come and joined us this week. How are you doing, Hans? I'm well. I'm quite fine, yes. Quite I'm fine. I'm shocked from the Apple laptop announcement, but I'm starting to recover. Yes, well, we can go on to that a little bit later because... Uh, Obviously, it's quite a big deal. But uh, anyway, Hans Non-Eric can be found at musotalk.de, where you can find all of your German vodcast needs and more. All the music production stuff you, you can you can listen to and look at in German. And uh, let's who's next? Next on the list is Mr. PJ Tracy from Minneapolis. Good morning. Hey, PJ. You're sounding crisp today. Yeah, I've got uh, the requisite amount of coffee in myself, and so I'm feeling uh, fantastic. Yeah, I'm drinking some tea now. Hold on. That was the tea there, just um, just to prove that I was. I'll try not to spill it all over myself. Anyway, PJ, I'm glad to have you aboard. PJ can be found at pjtracymusic.com, where his um, activities will be heavily documented with lots of fabulous web stuff, I'm sure. Isn't that right, PJ? <laughs> That's right. Something like that. Sorry, I'm rambling a bit. I'm a bit, as you can tell, I'm a bit agitated this week because I've got, as I said at the beginning, I've got a new sound card plumbed into the system. I've got the M-Audio Fast Track Ultra 8R, which is actually really good, which is why I wanted to use it because I was thinking, right, I can set up all these separate mixes and be really clever. Hopefully not too clever. I've got a new version of Skype. And um, what else have I got? Yeah, they're just everything's a bit different. So, And I've got two screens set up. That's one of the reasons I wanted to use the sound card because the second screen... It allows me to see more because last week it was a bit of a problem. I couldn't see everything, kind of basically. So anyway, um, on to our next guest, Mr. Rich Hilton from Connecticut. How you doing, Rich? Real good. Thank good. you. Thanks for coming back. I'm to, and and you, PJ. To be perfectly honest, I wouldn't have been surprised if you'd just kind of gone screw this and never returned. But uh, it's very kind of you uh. to come back. I, we're at, we're we're under one percent failure rate, which I suppose is okay. It's not much in terms of uh, ISP uptime availability, but it's it's not bad nonetheless. Anyway, Rich Hilton can be found myspace dot com forward slash Hiltonius. So, Rich, you had a good week. Yeah, very good. Great. Very good. And uh, I wasn't sure if that sipping sound was coming from you or a surge modular. I haven't got a surge modular. I've got any modulars, in fact. There's a you know the story about Susan and Gianni um, made her fortune making. Uh, I think it was the the bubbling fizzing noise from the Pepsi or something. It was a it was a soda commercial, and she did a modular sound effect that represented the fizzing of the soda. Okay, and, uh, it was apparently a good living for her for a while, or at least so it's told. I thought of all of that as you were sipping your tea. <laughs> wow, that's a, that, that's a hell of a process. Um, anyway, f- and also we have Mr. Mark Tinley. Hello. I guess what I've got. What have you got? I've got this. Listen. Okay. Listen. 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 
I'm having my world quantized. Oh, is that the RJDJ iPhone app? Yes. It's brilliant. So what is it? Is it like a kind of immediate delay looper sort of... It's all sorts of different things. So there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six different scenes in it, uh, which do different things. One of them is uh, that is called World Quantizer, and it basically picks up percussive sounds and then quantizes them into a rhythm, which is brilliant. It's just such good fun. There's another one called Eargasm, uh, which sort of picks up sounds and delays them and flies them about all over the place. Um, and that's kind of a little bit like the... Uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy kind of uh that chord kind of thing so it's like an h oh the ultra harmonizer yes there's it's like so it's like a sort of a harmonized world with all chords kind of shimmering off noises that happen in the real world so ba- i mean basically and that's like being on drugs actually really Jesus, like and that all runs on, on an iphone yeah good lord so it's like a really powerful load of dsp programming with a whole load of clever people who've been very creative with it and generated all these little scenes that do different things uh, there's another one called Gridwalker, which kind of um uh, just basically plays music based on what's going on in the environment around you another one which does that with loops and another one called noia i think <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, there's a generative uh, music app for the iPhone co-developed uh, by Brian Eno. That's really, really fun. Did you see that? I haven't got sort that of... yet. So I'm going to have to go and look for that. And when, when, you, yeah, when you sort of um, uh, turn your iPhone around, it changes around. and Yes, that was the one app that got me almost tempted to get one of those rip-up iPhone deals. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I did this week, which has re- made me really happy, is I've got a friend called Pat, who I've mentioned on here before, Pat the Cat, who I rang up the other night because I haven't talked to him for probably two years or something. And I was like, all right, Pat, how are you doing? And he's like, oh, yeah, not too bad. Tim, have you heard about the new Moog this? Uh, Voyager, I think he's got a Voyager, and he's going on about the Korg M3. And then he's saying, oh, you've got to check out the Macbeth synth and all this sort of stuff. And he says, so... And where are you living now? And I'm like, oh, I'm up in Huntington. And he's like, oh, I went there during the war. And I was like, well, how old are you then? And he's like, oh, I'm 73. And I was thinking, how brilliant that somebody who's 73 is, like, so into all this music technology. It's sort of like that just really inspired me. It's like that's where I'm going. When I'm 73, I'm going to be right along there doing the same thing. So here, here. There you go. Good on you, Pat the Cat. Brilliant chap. Hopefully he listens to podcasts as well. Hey, while we're all here and we're all in the sort of Mac vein, what, what do you think about these new um, laptops that were announced yesterday? There was a lot of speculation out of, uh, about them, the brand new ones that seem to be carved out of uh, solid, hefted out of solid chunks of aluminium. Make a quick interjection. I think uh, you still need to introduce Dave. Oh, sh- Oh yeah! <laughs> Sorry, That's Dave. Okay. I tell you why. No, I, the guy I, needs no introduction. I, I know. I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'll tell you why I haven't. It's because uh, me and Dave did a little uh, conference call podcast thing on the on the uh, Mtron Pro this morning. So I'm terribly sorry, Dave. But hello once again, Dave Spears from GeForceSoftware.com. dot com. That's all right. I was on my uh, RJ DJ actually. <laughs> I was on the Echo or whatever it is, Echo. <laughs> What does it give you, 33 feet of uh, echo? 
That's very nice, actually. <laughs> so anyway, MacBook Pros and MacBooks, new ones. 13-inch um, starting at 799 15-inch starting at £1,400. I'm not sure what that is in dollars, but it's more. Everybody was kind of, there was speculation. I was listening to Twit the other day, and they were saying that uh, they thought there was going to be a really cheap sort of MacBook range and uh, maybe a, an introduction of the MacBook Pro range. Uh, uh, they, they're supposed to be kind of beautiful and wonderful, and they, they seem to be showing off what's going on inside. All the pictures show the, 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 you know, the CNC piece of aluminium, which has got each individual key cut out. But it, the black keyboard stuff just looks a bit ugly to me. Am I the only one that thinks that's an awful lot of money for something that doesn't look quite as cool as the one I've already got? I don't dig this two-tone thing at all. It looks like an old-fashioned, old-school laptop. Yeah. It looks like a and while I'm on a pavilion, right. And while I'm on a rant, it doesn't take as much memory as the one I'm looking at and pushing this podcast through, which takes four gigs of RAM, and this new one only takes two. You got to buy the Pro to get four now. It's got no FireWire, and the big and That's the Pros list. only got FireWire eight hundred. Oh man, really? Um, what are they doing? They're well, they're putting in like- better video cards, and they're t- they're touting their green technology mm. and their lower price point. I have four or five um, FireWire devices here, audio interfaces, cameras, and none of them will now connect to any Macintosh laptop without an ugly clutch. Oh, that's rough, isn't it? I heard that um, st- it was a kind of obsession of Steve Jobs. He kind of doesn't like um, sort of visible joins and things like that, and it just sounds like basically... Um, this this one man's obsession has just kind of turned this thing into something that isn't actually for once. Usually, you know, you see an app thing, hey, that's pretty cute and pretty, you know, it's got a design. This this just seems to have let the side down in a big way. Um, anybody else care to comment? I think you're going to see more and more of this happen as as Steve Jobs gets older, Nick. He's going to get cranky. He's going to get wackier and battier until they're making, you know, he's going to try to make a an office in Cupertino that's all carved out of one solid block of aluminum. Do you think he's going to he's going to work he's going to work on some kind of surface that just and he'll just spend all of the um, Apple R&D budget, you know, and blow the whole lot on this kind of this impossible quest. Yes, but it'll cost $700 less than the thing that came out before it. Yeah. Hmm. So it'll be yeah. most definitely worth. It. I'm sorry, both he and the computers will continue to get thinner. <laughs> <laughs> so non-eric tell me a little bit about yes. what you feel about that I, I agree i mean i think what the heck is going on no firewire costs more doesn't look as nice and it's got an ugly glossy screen which i absolutely hate and i hate the black uh, color around the screen as well that's what really put me off from the uh i uh, um what's it called no, the imax uh, okay you know the the new ones where they have the black screen frame around the screen what i want i don't mind glossy at all glossy's fine but anyway it seems like a strange move um you're going to pay a lot more money and the only way you're going to get firewire as rich had said earlier was if you get a macbook pro so that's nearly two thousand dollars the base price and it's firewire 800 if they made it all black and made it look like an iphone it might be all right yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It does seem like mm-hmm. the one, the, the first Apple, de- the first design to let the Apple side down. Yeah, but Nick, yep. doesn't it prove that, that Steve is seriously ill? <laughs> okay, um, let's move on, because we did talk about Omnisphere last week, but um, that is lost in the ether. Um, so uh, I know that maybe some of you have got yours. I, I know PJ and Rich Hilton have got one. I don't know. Um, Hans, have you got um, o- Omnisphere? Just reviewed it. 
Well, uh, yeah, well, I did a quick review of the first shipping uh, version. Somebody brought it here to the studio. And uh, obviously, there wasn't so much time to play around with it because the guy only had it for a couple of hours. But the first thing we noticed was that it takes ages to install the huge amount of content. As you'd expect. Uh, and on a Mac Mini, it actually takes a lot of CPU. So even just playing four or five voices, it already got some, uh, some problems there. Uh, and uh, the rest of it is really gorgeous kind of looks great, sounds are fat. The only problem that I see is the same problem that I saw with the, um, with the trilogy and the atmosphere, that the sounds are a little bit fat. They're really, really fat and take up lots of the frequency spectrum. And I guess you need to thin them out, which is a bit odd. Okay, so it's actually got too much going for it. Yeah, in a way. But they've got lots and lots of nice... Um, evolving pads obviously and um, but what I really like is that they also have lots of you know very straight sort of synths uh, stuff in there and um, yeah I'd love to get one actually PJ you've you've also um, been living with yours for a little while I know you spoke of it a, a little last week have you had much more chance to sort of dig in and check out under the hood uh, I love it um you know like Hans is saying I think that the the majority or a large portion of the the factory library that ships with omnisphere is is pretty fat attempts to show off um some of the deeper aspects of the program um in one swoop um are kind of one-stop shops for atmospherics and uh and things like that but i think that uh the synthesizer that's built into the program and the ability to layer split and do certain performance um tricks in real time really set uh set it apart i mean as 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 far as the way that 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 interfaces with the user interface which is in a in the spectrosonic style very friendly very musical very intuitive and very quick to come to grips with all right excellent and how did you find um i don't know if i asked you this week the actual load times for individual sounds is that kind of okay uh on my quad core CPU, uh, I have a, a quad core Athlon, and that it runs really quickly. It loads very quickly. I have um, three gigabytes of RAM. Rich, because you've got it also. Uh, I in I also haven't spent one second more with it than I had last week. Um, which and, and last week I'd only really spent a couple of hours with it. It sounds great to me. Uh, I understand where Hans is coming from regarding the fatness of it, but I find almost all released synths and software does that. And uh, this thing does sound fat, and the fact that it can sound fat doesn't bother me, and the idea that I might have to thin it out doesn't bother me. I kind of prefer it to synths that won't sound fat on that level. But it's very, uh, what I heard was mostly atmospheric in the time I spent with it, and uh, it kind of reminded me of a sort of American version of absinthe in a way. It, okay. it had an absinthe quality to it in terms of the way it sounded to me. They also had some very unique samples. It takes longer to load than, um, than you know, just a software synth patch, but it takes less long to load than, say, a Contact 3 bank of samples. So, you know, it loads pretty quickly. And uh, you can, it loads fast enough that you can audition without feeling frustrated. At least I felt that way. And that's a dual 2.7 gigahertz mm. power PC. I guess there's nothing wrong with having something sounding too big because, I mean, you know, that's the thing. It's like Moog sound really big, but it just means you've got to EQ them and fit them into the slot a little bit better. It means you have to do... And presumably you can EQ within the box anyway, within the instrument itself. 
Well, I always felt that about later Oberheims, for example. Not so much about Moogs or Arps or any of that, but but uh, later Oberheims kind of got really fat, and you had to find a way to make them sit properly without dominating your track. That was the first ones, I recall, that were just too, you know, sometimes too fat. And it could be too fat, but I don't mind that. I like I like knowing I can get that if I want it. Yeah, well, that's cool. Uh, Dave Spears, you've also got um, got this. I mean, have you had a chance to check it out? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like it a lot, but I'm bound to say that because we licensed the Imposter filters to him. Oh, so has it got your filters in it? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, one thing that I've just noticed or noticed yesterday when I was playing around with it, putting some other um, effects in, is that there is a Delay Llama filter in here. There is a Formant filter in the effects. No, really? Fantastic. You can change head size, vowel, resonance, blend, level, and hang on, I'm just going to click on the More button. And you can have head size, rate, depth, sync, and vowel, rate, depth, and sync. Excellent. So you can actually make... So there you go. You can change the size of the llama's head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, who was that? Was that, was, that, was that Audio Nerd who was doing this? Yeah, Audio Nerd who's uh, in the chat room. He says, thanks. So I wonder whether or you not um, that was actually just uh, an idea that was confiscated or whether it's a license thing. Well, the picture's there. Oh, really? Fantastic. That's well cool work. I mean, does anybody kind of feel good about the actual synth part? Because obviously it's got all the library and the, you know, the effects and everything, but the synthesizer engine they're going on about the Steam side of thing. Is that, how is it? It's very deep. It is very deep. Steam's fine. Yeah. And it, it, like, like Dave was saying, you know, you have some unique effects like the Delay De- Llama effect in there, and you are able to not only modulate every aspect, you know, every parameter within the synthesizer, but you're actually able to use effects as modulation sources on individual laser layers, which I think is a, a really fantastic. Oh, that's an interesting concept. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, yeah, it's really cool. And I'd love to give a shout out to one parameter or one feature of that um, particular synth, Omnisphere, is the ring modulator sounds fantastic. And I am a huge fan of a good-sounding ring modulator because there is a shortage of those in pro in software. Right. Hey, everybody. My name is Michelle, and I'm here to show you three minutes of SoundCloud. What do we do at SoundCloud? We move music. For you, this means no more trouble receiving, sending, or distributing music via the web. Let me show you in three steps. We've created a kick-ass music inbox where you can scan through all your new incoming tracks before downloading a thing. Check out live updates from people you work with, see what incoming tracks people are talking about, or just play the whole thing like one big personal playlist. You can embed a Dropbox anywhere and receive music through any site you want. For example, on MySpace and Facebook. We've made it really easy to send any audio file you want to anybody, really fast. Send directly to an email address or quickly select people from your network. Check stats on who have accessed the track, who's listened, who's downloaded and handy things like that. Give your release tracks a home in the cloud. Each track or set gets a page of its own with a nice clean web address. And you've got full control over what people can see and do with your music. We've got one of the coolest widgets available. Customise it in two seconds and put it anywhere you want on the web. Oh, by the way, 
There are no limits to file sizes. Does anyone have a chance to check out SoundCloud? It, basically, how would you describe it? It's kind of like a new way of sharing and distributing audio. Mark, what is it that... How did you find out about this? I found out about it because somebody, I think, who's probably in the chat room at the moment, emailed it to me about uh, a week and a half ago. All right, okay. It's pretty, it's very, I I joined today and it looks, it's very simple and nice, very web 2.0. What I particularly like about it is that the, when you go and look at the public um, audio files that are on there, it's possible to drop comments on the timeline. So if you've got a four minute piece of audio and let's assume just for simplicity's sake, it's a song and um, I don't know, say I'm a record company executive somewhere and I've listened to this song and I particularly like the middle eight. I can put a marker on the middle eight and write a note about what I like about it and then invite one of my colleagues to go and have a look and see, you know, exactly which section of audio I was talking about. Or maybe, I don't know, imagine it was a sound effect or something and, and, it's in the same way as you can do with some uh, audio video streams. You can kind of put in bookmarks. It's kind of like that, isn't it? So you can kind of pop a bit in saying, oh, I really like this drum fill at, actually at the point. And there's a little flag that you click on. It will show you the comment. It's very, very cool. Yes. But also some of the music I was finding in there is quite interesting as well, which I guess is people who are unsigned who are making their tracks public in the hope that someone will pick them up. I just um, just glanced at it because I was uh, looking at it and thought maybe this is kind of usable for online collaboration. Yeah. But it seems to be more, but at a closer look, it seemed to be more aimed at trying to replace MySpace in a way with better audio quality for musicians to present themselves rather than collaborate. Yeah, well, I was wondering whether it'd be kind of cool to use it for, um, say, posting the podcast, because you could put the topics and various kind of bits in there that would sort of said what was where, and you could easily jump around inside it. I don't know. But it it seems like a very... Um, Yeah, yeah, and it would be. But when you publish it to your own website and you you can take a link, I wonder if it takes that time bar along the bottom when you publish, because I think you can put links to your files in SoundCloud. Right. So it would be brilliant. It does look like a very cool application. Anybody else have a chance? PJ, have you checked this out? Yes, and to answer Mark's question, according to their website, you can. It, that will travel along with, uh, with the audio file. But the player is really cool because basically you get a big play button and then you get a, a, a visualization of the waveform. So anybody who's used to working visually with waveforms will kind of know when there's a quiet bit or know when perhaps the, it looks like the, a big chorus or there's a mid late because you can check by the density of the waveform. So you can easily sort of move around within the audio file and sort of just click various bits, which seems like a really nifty way of doing it, if perhaps a little niche. I mean, and it does seem very well designed for people who are in the audio business. So do you think you'd be able to do you think you'd be able to see if uh, somebody had put clipping distortion through an entire track or an entire album? He says trying to make a link. Uh, you could do. I don't know, but I. I, I what about uh, Rich? Have you, have you checked, do you think this would be useful for sort of moving mixes around and having kind of collaborative comments on it? Do you, can you see a, a purpose well, for it? Sure, it could be, and, and I'm just getting a. I uh, didn't get a look at it before, so I'm just getting a first look at it now. I wanted to ask Mark because I know he's very familiar with both about the difference between this and using something like E Session to do the same thing. Uh, e Session's more about collaboration again, isn't it? So it's yeah, not but so it could, much but about this presenting is like, your music to people. 
this is one component. Oh, I see. This is a place that other that people can sign up to go listen to your music. Well, you can use it to upload your own mm-hmm. stuff. You can you can use it to distribute your stuff. I mean, it just seems like there's there's yeah, lots of statistics and distribution. Use- yeah, I yeah. Well, it's sort of it's sort of thing. like a, it's a different thing. I get it. Like a back end server environment, Rich, where you can place the player anywhere on the web. So you could put it on your Facebook page or your MySpace page, and then whatever's up there, you know, whatever you have up there as far as available tracks will show up there. Mm. I see. I mean, that's one aspect of it. And, it. and it looks like it's also an FTP service so that you could send and receive tracks from anywhere on the web, clients, uh, friends, right. people like that. Right. That's, that's the part I sort of did get. I got, uh, now I fully, more fully get it. Thank you. Anybody else? I mean, Dave, do you, uh, what do you think? Can, can you see a use for, for this? Because for sort of, presumably you can set up kind of private um, communications between members where people can kind of chip in and say i want to comment on this file or whatever do you know i'm really sorry i didn't even look at it oh well <laughs> hold on <laughs> i've got just the sound for that now unfortunately you can't hear it <laughs> very cool is it tumbleweed it's tumbleweed and there's a little bit of deliverance banjo in there as well <laughs> so yeah uh, that's your tumbleweed moment dave i'm glad to i'm glad i got one of those in because i was working quite hard to get that done in time for the show <laughs> but so, the thing i liked about it is it it seemed really um just clean really clean there's very little sort of clutter and mess and the, and, and it looks like also that it, the we, the reason it seems to be geared around music makers is because the forums there seems to be a lot of stuff in the forums about you know what people have used on certain tracks you know plug in gear chat all that sort of thing so it seems very very much um kind of geared to around some, towards the music making community and it might just kind of be one of those killer apps i don't know be nice i'm i'm going to try it out i think i might try and put one of the podcasts up there and, and see if it works as a channel i don't know yet <laughs> At this point, I'd just like to say thank you very much to our sponsors, uh, Yamaha Music Production, and I wanted to tell you about the new Pocket Track 2G, which is a handy USB sort of palm-sized personal recorder. It's got two gigs of RAM built in, a nifty slide-out USB connector, so you can stick it straight into your laptop or desktop once you finish recording. It's got speaker, so you can actually have confidence listening afterwards, and you can play back at half speed if you need to, so it's great for transcribing or learning solo lines or whatever. Um, I'd like to recommend it um, because I think it's great. Including the Pocket Track 2G boxes, a USB extension cable, stereo earphones, a leather carrying case, a stand adapter so you can use it with a, a camera stand, as well as Cubase AI. You can find more information about Yamaha Pocket Track 2G at yamahasynth.com forward slash products forward slash Pocket Track. And Pocket Track is spelt T R A K. Apparently, over on the Sound on Sound forums, uh, there's, a, there's basically a uh, a thread that's discussing the Metallica album. Apparently the Metallica, the most recent Metallica album um, has been slated for being far too loud and has got distortion going through it. So people who are kind of getting MP3 versions of it or whatever, they're, they're having all this terrible kind of problems with the resultant distortion. And um, there's a lot of heated discussion over there, including one from the sound engineer. Uh, allegedly, there's a comment from the mastering guy who said, yeah, I think it sucks too. I mean, when I got it, it was it was distorting too. I mean, Rich, you're, um, you're regularly making albums. Do you, can you kind of understand how it got to this point or what, what do you think happened? Absolutely. They presented the mastering, according to what I'm reading here, because you can click and see a response from the mastering engineer on the subject, who's Ted Jensen, who's a nice man and a smart man and a very experienced man. And um, 
based on what he says, he was presented with flatline mixes from their engineers who mixed it. He was presented with something with basically zero dynamic range. Okay. And he wasn't happy about it, and he's not proud of having been associated with it. He's sympathetic to the people who are complaining about it. His, his exact words are, I'm certainly sympathetic to your reaction. I get to slam my head against that brick wall every day. Oh. So, you know, uh, he's pretty clear about that. And he, exp- he says, in this case, the mixes were already brick walled before they arrived at my place. <laughs> and distorted. I mean, they already uh, already had kind of quite a lot of distortion in, in the original files. Mark, you, were brought, you brought this up earlier. I mean, have you been following this? No, I like the comments at the end where somebody actually knows the drummer and they'd been out partying all night and then the drummer went off to um, to record in the studio and they were cutting, it says they were cutting everything to tape, no Pro Tools, cutting everything to tape live with no clicks. Huh. So if that's true, then it sounds like the, and the distortion is in the toms and stuff. Maybe somebody um, over-hotted the tape. Oh, well, the actual kind of so it's in the actual sessions. Well, it's possible. Yeah. Mm. Interesting is supposedly the Guitar Hero version is better. <laughs> Tell you, yeah, because we posted a YouTube video on User Talk where there is a, a direct side by side comparison between the PS3 version in Guitar Heroes and the CD version. And apparently the, uh, the Guitar Heroes version sounds better because it's. Less compressed. Sounds to me like there's some cock up in either in the versions that went to the mastering house or something happened in between the you know they finished the actual master finished putting down the mix and it getting to whoever it needed to be to be mastered. It sounds like something's gone wrong there somewhere. Yes, at the end, I mean that's ridiculous. I mean, you just think it, maybe it's just one of those screw ups that you know, and it sort of fits the Metallica. Um, persona being too loud, I guess. So I suppose it's um, it's got something, you know, it's generated a bit of publicity. I don't know. Uh, hopefully that will change the way uh, lots of people uh, start to think about it and maybe uh, give it a second thought, you know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the thing about this, though, is, of course, that um, you have to have it kind of loud and maximized because if it's going to get scrunched down to, you know, to all those other formats that you have to listen to with all sorts of background noise, you have to kind of try and get the most out of it, otherwise you won't be able to hear it. Music before it, we we started to listen to over compressed music and everything was fine, so I don't think right. there is a physical need for this. I mean, never yeah, it hasn't been one before, louder. and yeah, just turn it up, and dude. Everything that happens to it from the moment it leaves your door is going to compress it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the idea of providing something with an in, a ridiculous amount of compression just it still repulses me. I can't do it. I, I try never to take the dynamic range out of my. I mean, I'll, I'll use a little tiny top and off on the bus maybe for certain kinds of music, but it's not. I can't do that square. You know that that waveform that looks like a, a four and a half minute square. <laughs> I can't do that unless you're, unless you're presenting to an A and R man, Ridge. <laughs> might, have, might have to do that there. No. Audio nerd's got it. He says digital clipping is the new fat. <laughs> Is that a pH fat or a DH? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um. Ah. Right. Well. Let's. Uh. Let's leave that terribly distorted, horrible world for the 
the beautiful, mellifluous, and sometimes weird world of electronic music history. The Tone Generation, a ten-part series exploring analog electronic music across the world, focusing on a particular country or region each programme, featuring some of the key composers working with early electronics. Hello and welcome to this personal selection of early electronic music. Within the limitations of my record collection and half-hour time slot, I'll be playing examples of some of the many fascinating compositions from the analogue period. You are tuned to the Tone Generation with Ian Helliwell. Which uh, came via Matrix. This is a series called T- the Tone Generation Programme, which is ten programmes um, presented by Ian Halliwell, and he delves into his look at the, into this art into his archive to look at the development of electronic music right across the board, um, and he he does it country by country. So you've got um, the first episode Britain, then there's France, Germany, Italy, Holland, Belgium, Scandinavia, Eastern Europe, Canada, rest of world, etc. Each of them is half an hour long, and they're just kind of quite interesting insights into you know just what 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 has been happening in the past of electronic music history anybody uh, had a chance to listen to any of these mm, i did a yes. little bit a little bit for those who don't know ian halliwell is and i I'm, i confess i didn't i hadn't heard of him he's a curator and collector uh, based in brighton with a special interest in early electronic music uh, world's fairs and abstract film he runs workshops assembles themed programs for film festivals and creates pieces for radio including expo 67 a radiophonic collage and the ongoing series the tone generation um so mark i suspect did 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 you get a chance to listen to this is this something that appeals to you i would have thought it would i did listen to some of it yeah i haven't finished listening to it yet though there's a lot of it i mean there's what uh five and a half six hours now well i'm in the middle of program number 11 and it just seems to be lots of weird and wonderful music and sounds and noises and things Yes, there is that. It doesn't seem to have much talking in it, this one. No, I think that's the collection of people who exhibited at the recent Expo 67. This is Expo 58. 58, I'm sorry. I get my numbers messed up. Thus, it's very music concrete in its presentation overall, what I heard. Yeah. Which is perfect for me. I love that sort of stuff. I'm going to put it in in my Walkman. No, I'm not going to put it in my Walkman. I'm going to put it in my I'm so old, I call it a Walkman and take it to the gym with me <laughs> and listen to it at the gym. Excellent. <laughs> it was, I was listening to it through RJDJ earlier. Were you? Were you? And, it was, and it was ultra surreal. I bet it was. <laughs> I haven't got quite into it. I found him um, his presentation was just a little bit hypnotic. It wasn't quite... Uh, as engaging as I'd have liked, but uh, I'm going to... I was wondering about that, actually. I was listening to his uh, presentation, and I'm allowed to do this because I can, I suppose, and I thought the man sounds to me like he's got Asperger's syndrome. He sounded very, very flat, and I'm just wondering if I should maybe... I could make a new living out of teaching people with Asperger's how to sound like they don't have it. (laughs) Right. Yeah, he Because if I can modulate my voice a bit, I'm sure everyone else can. Well, that's true. True enough. But yes, I'm going to listen to a few more of them. But it's, it's very fascinating. I like the idea of it being broken down by country. I didn't realise that Italy had quite a lot, uh, as long a kind of history of electronic music um, history as as all that. But they were kind of going at it in this in the fifties and uh, early fifties. Yeah, I listened to that particular program because it happened to air on the day I was married. So I I was interested to hear what uh, what he was broadcasting that day, and it was it was wonderful. I mean, it's. Uh, fascinating to listen to the the history of all of these electronic sounds 
Um, anyway, electronic history um, is the tone, the tone generation. It's a series of, I think it's an ongoing, it's supposed to start off as 10, and now it's up to 13, so I think he's kept going. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there, so I'll put the, sh- the link in the show notes and you can go and listen to it. In fact, I'm just going to paste it into the chat room so the folks over there can enjoy it. All right, we were talking about Brian Eno in the iTunes uh, iTunes application store for iPhone. And I have downloaded something else, actually, because I just put Brian Eno in to find out what this program is. But you can get the entire Oblique Strategy set for free from the iTunes cool. store for, um, for, what's it called, this thing? iPhone and iPod Touch. Oh, okay. It's very good. It randomizes the deck and spits back a, a thing at you. I'd forgotten about it. that. Far out labs. <laughs> It's beautifully presented as well. I mean, it actually looks like the cards, and it f- kind of flips over on your phone. And very nice. Ah, and that's a free one. I might have to put yes. that on my phone. I could use it now, actually. I could do with a bit of inspiration. I've just got too many things going on. So, should we finish on the Mac Pro's in- stink inquiry, just to uh, recap? Because we did cover this last week, but I didn't manage to uh, get it back in again, and I thought it was a- an amusing one. This, according to the Inquirer, uh, there was a story where... Um, Basically, somebody had switched on a whole lot of uh, Mac Pro- Mac Pros that they'd um, they just bought, and they really niffed. And um, the French paper Liberation reported that Mac Pro users were reporting the unenticing smell of burning plastic wafting out of their shiny, sleek machines. And uh, I'd like to say at this point, there's no evidence of uh, of this actually happening, according to Apple. And I think when we first talked about it, this we thought that maybe a piece of packaging had got inside and you know got on one of the heat sinks or something, because that can happen. And it got me thinking about stuff that really smelt, equipment-wise. I'd like to add. And uh, w- one of the <laughs> things that I remember, I had a an old unbranded laptop that was that was uh, I used to code for Sonic State. This is when I first used to run it off. I can't remember. It was an old PC, and it smelt really, really bad. And I used to I had a very small room with no windows, and I used to have to take breaks every um, every kind of twenty minutes and go outside and walk around for a bit because of this thing just smelt so bad. I used to get really bad headaches. And I wonder if anybody else had got any. Um, <clears throat> tales of equipment that just stinks for whatever reason i don't think i've had anything that stinks um just i think i recapped a story of a power supply that blew once ah yes okay there's that isn't there and i wondered the other thing that i think we we kind of got onto the fact that maybe you could get something on a usb dongle that you plug into your usb device and it powers up a sort of little um hot plate that burns that sort of um those essential oils so you can have a nice smelling kind of aspect to what's going on maybe that would accompany Smell. a particular application or um or whatever that you were watching you could have applications that had a, an accompanying smell like omnisphere you know for instance i had a usb um nose vibrator once <laughs> plugged into the usb port and it had like a coily cable coming off it and then this purple bit on the end which you basically were supposed to stick up your nostrils i mean that's what it said it was on the packaging <laughs> sounds a little dubious mark you sure yes. um <laughs> perfect it was the perfect size for something else and the, the, the smelly thing i remember equipment wise was um being on tour with um a, a well-known singer who shall remain nameless uh who <laughs> was absolutely obsessed with the smell of microphones and used to sniff the microphone before he, he, he would even sing in it. So we had to dismantle SM58s every night before the show and squirt stuff in them to make them smell nice. 
and then put them back together again. And the first thing he did when he came in for sound check was he'd like bound onto stage, run up to the microphone and sniff it to make sure that it had the right smell. Um, which I suppose, I mean, if I was a singer, I suppose I'd do the same thing, but. There is nothing that there is. I mean, the, the smell of a vintage 58 after it's been in a gig bag and around the place and in a damp cellar rehearsal room or spat at or whatever uh, is, is quite a, an overpowering one, I would say. So I can't. He maybe had a bad experience once with a particularly rancid um, wind guard. I mean, if you've got to do an hour and a half show, I suppose, and the microphone stinks of someone else's bad breath, I, I, I guess. I mean, the. In fact, if I remember rightly, the monitor engineer used to pour Listerine through the through the um, foam gauze. So he'd take it apart, pour Listerine through it, and then shake it out and dry it out, and then put it all back together. But wouldn't that get really, really rusty? It's not his microphone. Uh, uh, I don't know. I guess. Uh, well, yeah, I suppose that's one way of doing it. So no, they uh, were the, they were their microphones. I mean, the, the microphone must have belonged to the PA company that they hired, mustn't it? Oh, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. It must well have, must well have done. Well, it doesn't sound like we've got too many smelly tails on it, but uh, the Mac Pro stink inquiry, um, I, like I said, Apple have reputed this, and there doesn't seem to be any other evidence to support it, so it must have been just a one-off. Um, but uh, anybody else gets any tales of particularly stinky equipment, um, just send them <laughs> in. I'd love to hear them. I think maybe on that note, uh, I'm... I'm I'm having trouble concentrating a little bit now because I've, there's so many things going on. Like I said, I've got so many different new pieces of equipment that I seem to have to keep continually monitoring. I think what I'm going to do is call it a day for, for now and just thank everybody who's with us. Um, we've got a lot of people in the chat room. Uh, Guru One, Mark JXP, glad to see you there. I hope you didn't bunk off at work too early um, to get here. Uh, Tollboat Sunbeam and, oh, that's for you, Rich Hilton, and PJ, and you too. Somebody Thank in there you. has just said, I liked the coffee stain on the original Emtron. Does that mean that coffee stain's <laughs> not on it anymore? No, have it's much take, cleaner. Have you cleaned it off, Dave? Yeah, yeah, it had to be refurbished. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's for the best. It's, but anyway, um, I'll try and continue to wrap this up. Um, sorry, I was just trying to find out how many people we, we have. We, we, beat the, uh, we beat last week's record. I'm not going to say the number, but um, thanks to everybody for joining us live. Uh, we'll be doing this again next week, where I hopefully will be more at home with my setup, so it won't be quite so distracting. And I will say thank you very much to all my guests. Uh, I'll say thank you to Non-Eric from Berlin, Muso Talk DE. I guess you're going to have to go back to work and hard at it, eh, Hans? Absolutely, because we are still working on finishing the Mtron Pro review. Ah, well, I'll have to see if I beat you. <laughs> I've got one on the go, too. Ah. We'll have a race. When? We'll be out on Monday, and you? Uh, I might be able to do the better than that. Oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll release it tonight, then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't finished mine. Uh, anyway, uh, musotalk.de, if you want to see what Hans is up to. Lots of good stuff there. And PJ Tracy from Minneapolis, thank you for joining us, too, this week. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, and thanks to everybody in the chat room. Uh, yes, thank you, and I, I promise I won't lose this one. But although... I'm getting a bit nervous just in case it happens again. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Anyway, PJ Tracy can be fine at pjtracymusic.com. Go over there and check out what he's up to. Anyway, uh, and also many thanks to Rich Hilton for joining us too this week. Always a pleasure. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening and chatting away. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Very chatty people. I, their words per minute is um, obviously a lot better than mine. Anyway, Rich, I hope you have a great day. Are you in the studio today? Actually, no. I'm going uh, this evening to see Lindsay Buckingham. And oh. a couple of friends of mine who play in the band with Lindsay Buckingham. 
And I'm quite fond of Lindsay's playing and his music, and I'm fond of my friends, so I'm looking forward to that. Hey, great. A day off and a jolly. Anyway, you can see what uh, Rich Hilton is all up to the rest of the time. MySpace.com forward slash Hiltonius. Thank you very much, Rich. Thank you. Mark Tinley. Mark Tinley also, thank you for joining us and hanging in there. There's a long list of props this week. There's how many have we got? One, two, three, four, five, six of us. So Mark Tinley, um, Mark Tinley, of course, FunnyMachine.com. Thank you for joining us once again. Thank you very much. I'm having an eargasm now. Oh, I can just about I'm hear it. Does, my it iPhone. It's not that loud. I think that's the problem. It's not making it past the Skype gating. Oh, right. Okay. Maybe I should talk like that. Ooh. Actually, you're probably not getting the full effect because I've got the microphone and this on at the same time, so you wouldn't get what it's really like to wear the thing on your head, but it is really very cool. I like the sound of that. That's fantastic. Okay, thank you very much, Mark. Um, look forward to seeing you go- again welcome, soon. Thanks. And Mr. Dave Spears, thank you for hanging in there. Last but not least, I'm sorry I forgot to introduce you at the beginning, and um, hopefully the rest of your week will go according to plan, because you're going to be announcing the Mtron Pro very soon. Is that not right? I hope so, yeah. Yeah, we're just finalising the few bits and pieces now. You notice I didn't actually say a date on that, so I've left you off the hook. No, that's... Yes, that's a relief. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Dave, Dave Spears, g4software.com. Thank you very much for joining me this week. That was been Sonic Talk number 103.